0: This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Hey, I don't know what you uh, think about in the morning when you first wake up. I'm, I'm talking when you first open your eyes. Before you reach for your phone, before anything happens, what is it that crosses your mind? For some of you, you roll through what needs to be done today. That that meeting you've got to have, you're still processing, how am I going to say what I'm going to say, or how do I deliver this information in a way that's palatable and, and, and receivable. Others of you, when you open your eyes, what jumps into your thoughts at first is that weird, cloudy, something's wrong, and then you remember. It's the thing you've been worried about, the thing that you've been stressed about, the thing that hasn't gone away. But have you ever wondered what life would be like if other people could hear your thoughts as you roll through the day? What you're thinking right before you have the conversation, what you're thinking right before you shoot the text message, what you're thinking that you don't include in the text message that you shoot. If if everybody could hear your thoughts. Our thoughts are unending. They just keep going and going and going. And sometimes those thoughts are laser-focused on whatever circumstance we're dealing with in the moment, whatever we're living through. But other times, our thoughts seem to bounce rapid fire from one topic to the next. And a vast percentage of those thoughts, yours and mine, if we're not careful in life, can be spent worrying. Have you ever considered how much of your mental, emotional, and even spiritual energy is spent worrying? Psychologists tell us that 40% of what we worry about are things that'll never happen. 30% of what we worry about are things that have already happened, things that we replay, we replay that worry in our minds. 22% of the things we worry about are trivial, 4% of the things we worry about we cannot change, and then at least 4% of the things we worry about, we can do something about. So 96% of what we worry about is spent on things we cannot control, are things that do not really matter or have already happened. Only 4% of our worry is spent on something that we can do something about. So why do we worry so much? Why do we feel the stress that we feel? And it consumes so much of our lives. It even affects us physically. It's not just a mental thing. It's not just an emotional thing. It's not just a spiritual thing. The worry in your head will affect the health of your body. And often, the worry is more damaging than the thing that we're worried about. Over 60% of visits to doctors, physicians in the United States are stress-related. Every week, 112 million people are taking medication for stress-related illness. It's so much of who we are. It's so much of what we deal with. And I'm not belittling the stress that we walk through or the the worry that we feel. And thank God for for doctors, for physicians that know how to help us treat these things. But but could it be that some of what's being treated with medicine could be treated with methods that we apply to our lives that we find in Scripture? See, you and I have an enemy. Scripture teaches that. And he wants us to get caught up in the hurry and the busyness and the noise of life. And when we do that, it robs our peace and it steals our joy. We're going to study in this book of Philippians, and we're moving into the fourth chapter today. And as we move into that, remember, this little book is about joy. Paul, the Apostle Paul, inspired by God, is writing about the subject of joy, but he's writing from a prison cell. And in this short book, he said, I've got to cover worry. I've got to deal with stress because it's something we all deal with in life. And he's in jail. And the assumption is he's going to have a death sentence. His life is going to end. That's got to be stressful. That's certainly something to worry about. And this church that he's writing to, this church that he started in Philippi, the ones reading it, life is hard. It's dangerous to be a Christ follower in that day. They are oppressed daily. There's a lot to be stressed about and a lot to worry about. And so it's in this worry and in this stress and in this context that we find these words in Philippians chapter 4 verse 2. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. And it, it feels like in those verses, we're just getting a little bit of context. We're getting a, a little bit of history. He's addressing some people, and it's easy to glance over that. But he's addressing an issue of conflict. Notice, I, I plead with this person, and I plead with this person to be of the same mind. There's some conflict. You all need to get it together. You, you need to be unified. And then he moves into the next verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And now he's going to address worry. Would you say in your life that your emotions are more filled with worry or peace? Because it's one or the other. Which way do you lean? It can't be both. It's, It's worry or peace. And in this life, often there's a constant battle in our relationships, in our day-to-day life, in our careers, in our finances, in our parenting, in our marriages, in life as we deal with the person that we see in the mirror. There's this constant battle between worry and peace. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He's saying we need to, if we want to experience joy, even in the moments of worry, even in the moments of stress, we've got to live and love in light of forever. We've got to live and love in light of eternity. We've got to, as followers of Jesus, stop just coming to church and start being the church. We've got to drop the conflict, like these two people he mentions, with other people. And and then notice what he says in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. How do you do that? Do not be anxious about anything. We can understand if he said, hey, don't be anxious about these small things. We can understand if he addressed some areas and said, hey, that, that's just not worth the time and the worry and the mental real estate that that's taking up in your life. But he says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, everything you and I face, by prayer and petition, request, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now when he says, do not be anxious about anything, you, you, you might just in your mind think, man, I need to raise my hand because I, I have failed. I have failed. Well, it's important to understand the language. When the text says do not be anxious. That word be, do not be anxious. It literally means do not be continually anxious. See, worry may pop in. Just don't let it move in. It will visit. There's nothing you can do about that. It's going it's to visit in your life. It's going to visit in my life. Let's just make sure it doesn't reside. It, it can pop in for a moment. Just don't let it stay there. Worry, he's saying, don't be continually anxious. Anxiety can hit in a moment, worry can hit over a circumstance, but as a follower of Jesus, there's a way to navigate that where it doesn't take root and it doesn't take hold and it doesn't begin to weigh down and stress out our lives. And notice he says, with thanksgiving, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. See, the follow, for the follower of Jesus, this is not an option, it's an opportunity. It is also an expectation. For the first three chapters, he talks about joy and how to have it. He waits until the last chapter to talk about worry and stress and how it can rob things in your life and and rob you of opportunities and rob you of joy. He can't address joy without addressing and ignoring the very thing that often chases it out of our lives, worry and stress. So he saves this until right toward the end of the letter. The challenge is that what you're worried about, what you're stressed about for some of you, it's big. If you could stand behind this camera and share with everyone this morning, everyone watching, what you're worried about and what you're stressed about, we would all we would all agree. What you're worried about, what you're stressed about, for some of you, it's it's big. And there are no simple solutions. And it's not going to be over in a minute. It's potentially... Life changing. It's not something you can just turn and, and flip a switch and make it go away. So, how do we experience joy under the worry and the stress that maybe you're facing today? Certainly, some are. How do we experience joy under worry and stress that feels debilitating and somewhat permanent? How do we do that? This passage teaches us one of the most helpful things we can do is to remember it's all about how we pray. Notice, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Maybe one of the reasons we dismiss prayer as not really being that helpful is because while we know we're supposed to pray, we often don't really consider who we're praying to. See, God is not removed from your equation. God is not preoccupied with the universe to the point that he's not aware of what you're walking through. And he wants to hear from you. And when we talk to him, we we can experience his peace, this unique peace. When I pray to our Father with thankfulness, where does that thankfulness come from? Reminding myself and recognizing God loves me. God knows what's best, I can absolutely trust him, and God is more than capable. We see his power over and over again through scripture. We've seen his power in the past in our own lives. He helps me, he reminds me, he fills me with the reality, God is with me. See, when I worry, I function like it's all up to me. But, but faith is, hey, God is with me, and he's got this. And notice, and the peace of God. The scripture says the peace of God not the peace that's with God, not the peace from God, not the peace for God, the peace of God, his peace. What comes and resides along with his presence, the peace of God is what we experience. It's all about how we pray. And then the passage tells me it's all about how we think. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. And often we can get caught up in the list. All the things, okay, true, noble, right, pure, lovely. No, 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 no. no. To me, the most important word in the verse is this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever. Whatever. The things in your life that you can think about that are encouraging, the things in your life that you can remember back to what God did and how God blessed, the opportunities that God has still given, the the oxygen that you still have in your lungs, the sunlight that you get to still walk out into every day, whatever, whatever is everything that is helpful because it's true, think on those things. Think on the things that are helpful, that are true, and process those things. See... When I'm consumed with worry, I forget to realize what I do have. In the midst of talking about how my car broke down, I forget the reality that if I even own a car, I'm in the top 15% of wealth on the globe. Or maybe you're in a situation where you're dreading every day as graduation gets closer in college, maybe this fall, maybe this coming spring. Oh, my goodness, the loans that I'm going to have to pay back. Wait, if you got to go to college, you're in the top percent, 11% of wealth on the globe. And, and so often we fail to see the helpful. We, we fail to recognize the upside because we're so focused on what we see as the downside. When I worry, I forget to realize what I do have. Hey, 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 the fact that you got a car, you're ahead. You're ahead. You're doing all right. So how do I embrace this helpful thinking when stress is all around me, all over me, all in me? How do I embrace helpful thinking? Uh, Let me give you a few ways that, that I think we can process and really focus on the whatever is true and helpful, whatever is beneficial. The upside and let the downside fade. It's not that the downside's not there. It's just that hey, the upside is there. And the upside is often bigger. And the upside can change our perspective and our mentality and how we feel and how we process. The upside is what can make life a little bit lighter and put things in a better perspective than the doom and gloom that worry brings. So how do we embrace helpful thinking about stress? The first way, don't waste time on blaming. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. It doesn't matter in this moment when you're hurting what got you here. The blaming doesn't change anything. If you drive up on an accident you jump out of your car and there's just been an accident, people need help. They need help. Your first call is to an ambulance. But often when we're worried and we need help, we're so focused on who did this to us and why they did this and and why this happened and, and why this should not have been done. We're so focused on that, we're calling the police when we should be calling an ambulance. See, when you need help in that moment of crisis, it doesn't matter who's at fault. You just want to get better. You just need to be rescued in that moment. There'll be time to figure out who's at fault later. We we may need to have a conversation later. There may need to be some boundaries put in place and some some different decisions made. That's later. But in the moment where the stress and the worry are thick because of crisis and you're hurting, don't waste time on blaming. Uh, Another thing we can do to embrace helpful thinking during stress is give your mind a break. Give your mind a break. You are, often if you're under stress or if you're worried, you're processing over and over and over and over again the same thing, over and over and over. And, and, and your mind, I remember years ago, my brother had a hunting lease out in Texas and we went with him and the truck got stuck for a minute and it was stuck in the mud. And no matter how hard you push that accelerator down, those wheels, they're just spinning. There's no traction. There's no benefit. Nothing's happening. That's exactly what worry is. Some of us have pressed the accelerator in our minds on spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning over what we're worried about, but it's not benefiting you or anybody else. It's not changing any of the circumstances. So one of the things that's important to do when, you're, when you've got a lot of worry and you're stressed, you've got to give your mind a break. You've got to literally have moments where you kick those thoughts out of your mind. The Bible talks about taking every thought captive. The Bible talks about a, a lot about how we think. And you can't control what pops in your head, but you can control how long it stays there. And you might just need to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to think about that on Thursday at 7 p.m. I'm going to dive into thinking about that again. I'm doing everything I can about it. I'm not going to waste mental energy on it. I need to give my mind a break and you think about something else, you shift your focus. Your brain is powerful enough to tell your brain what to do. And your brain can tell your brain what to think about. Or you can just exist in being pushed into thinking about what's weighing so heavily on you. Your brain's got to have a rest if you want to embrace helpful thinking. The third thing I think is important, talk to somebody new. Talk to somebody you haven't talked to. Talk to somebody that's, that's wise. Because sometimes when we're worried, sometimes when we're stressed, we talk to people that are worried about the same kinds of things. We talk to people that are stressed about the same kinds of things. And, and perhaps, I don't know, you've got to ask the question, could it be, if you're dealing with worry and you're dealing with stress, could it be that you happen to be talking to a whole lot of people that have a PhD in worry? And, and they're not doing anything to relieve the pressure, in fact, they're adding to it. Talk to people who've walked through challenges similar to what you're facing, and they've made it. If you want a great marriage, talk to people who have a great marriage. If you want great health and you're worried and stressed about your health, talk to people who have great health. If you've walked through a bad divorce and you want to know what does it look like to live a great life and to be doing well after a divorce, talk to people who've experienced that and have done that and have walked that hard road, but, but today they're doing great and God's working in their lives and, and they don't define themselves by something that happened to them or a decision they were involved in. They've moved beyond it. It may be that part of what's keeping you in your worry and your stress is the chatter that's all around you from familiar voices that know the theme of worry well. One of the things you can do if you want to embrace new thinking in a time of worry and stress is talk to somebody new. The fourth thing, and this is so helpful, learn to glance at the problem, but stare at the solution. See, so often when we're dealing with worry and stress, we stare at the problem, we focus on the problem. And we do it, it comes from a good motivation, we're trying to attack the problem, we're trying to figure out how do I deal with this problem. But but as followers of Jesus, we need to learn, glance at the problem, yes, recognize it's there, But stare at the solution. And we might find solutions quicker if we spent more time pursuing them. Because if you get in a place where all you do is stare at the problem, you become somebody that's consumed with problems. And when you become somebody that's consumed with problems, you become somebody that's negative usually in life. And when all you have to share is bad news, people will walk away. You want to be the kind of person that when there's something stressful you're dealing with, when there's something you're worried about, glance at the problem. But stare at the solution. And you might say, well, that's awesome. I would love to do that. I don't know what the solution is. Well, you keep staring at the places you can find it, like the Word of God, the people of God, church, the place of God. You you, you put yourself in the best position to find the solution that's going to help not just lift the worry or the stress, but take care of the circumstance you're walking through. Because like it or not, you got to go through it. The fifth and final thing is this. It's important to remember You can't handle everything you can't handle everything and some of you really need to hear that you are self-made and you've done things that we all admire and you have accomplishments and you have achievements but one of the things that I've noticed in life and if you've had any measure of success you've noticed this there is more pressure that comes from success than ever comes from failure Because once you're successful, you have to continue to deliver. Once you're successful, you've got to get to the next level. And there's this mentality. Often we look at what we've done and we feel the stress and we feel the weight. Sometimes maybe what you're worried about and maybe what you're stressed about is success. And you've got to recognize you, you can't handle everything. There is some point that is beyond what you can do. There's some point that is beyond what I can do. So we need to stop trying. I'm going to do what I can do and I'm going to pray about what I can't. Because while there's some things beyond what I can handle, there's nothing beyond what God can handle. You've got to know your limitations. That's not weakness, it's wisdom. Don't feel guilty about the things that you can't change. Don't be consumed about what's not going to work. That puts you focused on something that's negative, and it invites more stress and more worry. Recognize you can't handle everything, and you lose the respect of no one. When you're willing to admit and recognize, I can't handle everything. I admire people. I have the greatest respect for people who recognize their own limitations. So they lean into their faith and they trust God. They surround themselves with people who love Jesus and love them and will pray for them and are weak or strong in areas that they're weak. It's important to know you can't handle everything. And then notice notice how Paul finishes this section in in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The way this is literally written in the language, it, it literally means whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice your faith, and then the God of peace will be with you. If you want the peace that comes from God, the God of peace, if you want to experience that in your life, it's not about just knowing what to do, you've got to do it put into practice four of the most powerful words in all of scripture put into practice what we've talked about today can alleviate some level of stress and worry in your life maybe it would only take off 10 percent maybe it would take off 70 or 80 percent maybe it would be revolutionary in your life but thinking about it and hearing about it does absolutely nothing you've got to do something with what we've talked about you've got to do something with what this passage teaches put into practice how would your life change how would your relationship change how would your parenting change how would your education change how would your career change your your marriage how would your future change if you put into practice what the word of God teaches man that's what I want for you It's, it's it's too good to miss it's too dangerous to not do this because life can be lighter and life can be better And you can be better at life. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you so much for your deep love. And I pray for every single person watching right now. I pray for those who don't have a relationship with you. Father, I pray that in this moment your spirit would draw them. Because there's nothing greater than knowing your forgiveness and your peace and your presence in our lives. That there's nothing more secure than being able to rely on you and lean into our faith. So maybe your head's bowed and your eyes closed and you know that the greatest need of your life is to give your life to Jesus, to become a Christ follower. I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it quietly in your heart. You just say, dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life and forgive me of my sin. Help me to live for you. Take my worry and my stress. I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey if you just prayed that prayer I'd love to know that. If you could just shoot me a quick text, just put your first name and text 407-487-8311. Just your first name 407-487-8311 because I'd love to be praying for you by name. I'd love to be able to send you a free gift. So shoot me the text and, and allow me to pray for you this week and then I want to Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at givec3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.